I'm trying my best to get you into the Christmas spirit here, the Christmas season. I generally struggle to do that. Anybody else generally struggle to get? Yeah, I, I, I do. And it, part Christmas decorations, and I mean no offense to any of the decorations here, but trees belong outdoors, not, not indoors. Uh, number two, I hate clutter. I'm a minimalist, and so if Christmas decorations were so great, why don't we have them up year-round? It's kind of like going to a restaurant and they have a special. If it's so special, why is it not on your menu all the time? And then I've got this sense of arrogance. I am a student of the Bible. I have been for a long time. And so, so much stuff taught about the Christmas story or how it's used is just wrong. And so I think the message of Christmas is really simple. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to born, to live, to die, to rise again. And then mix into all of this, it's about my season of life. You know, I've been through 46 Christmases now. That's a lot of Christmases. When I was a kid, I loved Christmas music. I loved the vibe of Christmas. And of course, as a kid, I loved the presents. But as an adult, you know, Christmas feels like that hit song that you loved when it first came out. And then you listen to it like a hundred times and you just don't love it so much anymore. In fact, it kind of gets on your nerves. It's like journeys don't stop believing. That's what Christmas is. Great song the first hundred times. There's a saying, familiarity breeds contempt. I don't know if you've heard that before. And maybe with Christmas it's not contempt, but I think sometimes the familiarity for all of us to the Christmas story can certainly breed indifference. It's like someone has oceanfront property, right? And they're so used to having that oceanfront property that they no longer realize how beautiful it is anymore. And you show up to their house, you're like, what a beautiful view. And they're like, oh, kind of forgot about that. It's indifference. And so for the next three weeks, I hope we can move past indifference to remember that Christmas is truly the birth of hope, not just hope for the world with its unending problems, but hope for me and hope for you. I hope that we can personalize this despite our feelings about Christmas. And so tonight, we all come into this place in a different season. And the Christmas story, I do believe, can speak to all of us in whatever season we're in if we let it. Now, nature has four basic seasons. Who can tell me the four basic seasons of, of the world? Nature, fall, winter, Spring and wow, you guys are brutal. I knew we would get into some rocket science tonight. How many seasons does life have? It's indefinite, right? I mean, there's some basic seasons of life that are pretty universal and they're easy to define birth, childhood, young, adult, middle age, the later years, the final years. But mixed into those seasons, we have this infinite number of other seasons. We have seasons of success. We have seasons of failure, and we have seasons where we have great relationships. We have seasons where we have not so great relationships, and we have seasons where we're healthy. We have seasons where we're sick. We have seasons where we're certain about things, and we have seasons where we doubt everything. We have seasons where the days seem long, seasons where we have lonely nights, Seasons where there's a great harvest that we see God doing in our lives, and then we have seasons of drought. And so my question to you tonight as we get started, what season are you in? 
What's your season right now? Now, if we were in youth group, this is how I do the youth group discussions. I would just call on one of you by name right now because they usually don't answer my questions either. And so I just call on one of them and they have to answer the question. But I won't do that to you tonight. But I ask you, think about that question. What season are you in in life right now? And Tom, I'm getting just a little bit of a hum up here. If you can, it's ringing in my ears. Uh, We're a smaller church, right? And so as I thought about this sermon this week, perfect. Um, I thought about a lot of the seasons that you guys are in right now because I know just about every one of you. And so I know there are people in this room who are in seasons of healing. And I know there's people in the room that have a season of pain going on right now. There's a few of you that are in the season of diapers that that's all you do right now. Some of you are in seasons of tremendous growth, the most I've ever seen in your lives, and there's others in this room in seasons of transition. So again, I ask, what is your season? And then what does God want to do with that season? How can you honor God with that season? There's a cliche Christmas saying. There's a lot of them. That's another one of those things that drives me crazy about Christmas, but tis the season to be jolly. I don't like people telling me what to do, so I don't like that statement. I don't know why I need to be jolly, fa la 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 la. There's another cliche Christmas saying, Jesus is the reason for the season. I'm sure we've all heard that, we've all said that. And I want to turn that just a little bit tonight, while Jesus may or not be the reason for the season that you're going through in your life, because you may have gotten yourself into some of your messes, there might be sin or there might be brokenness, so I don't know if Jesus is the reason for your season but he certainly can give reason to all of our seasons. And so for the next three weeks, I want to look at how some of the characters in the Christmas story and their seasons, as we reflect upon our Christmas season, our life seasons, and make Jesus the reason for both kinds of seasons. And so tonight, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Christmas story, if you don't know, is spread out through Matthew and Luke, and then John has kind of his weird version of the Christmas story. Mark skips it all together. But we're going to do the Gospel of Luke version tonight. There's only one announcement of Christ's birth in all of Scripture, one true announcement in all of Scripture, only one invitation given out to come visit Mary, Joseph, and the babe, and it's to some humble shepherds. And so we're going to look at the story of the shepherds tonight. It's in Luke chapter 2. I'll begin in verse 8, and it says, that night, of course, the night we're speaking of is the night Jesus was born, there were some shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Let's talk about some shepherds, okay? Shepherds, that's a label that's been given to these guys. But with that one label, we can learn a lot about their season of life. Number one, if they're shepherds, that means they're working. So they're in a season of having a job. They're not students They're not retired, they're on the job, they're in a season of working, and it's a job that doesn't bring a whole lot of acclaim. Number two, we know they're in a season of poverty, they are poor. They work, so they are a notch above a beggar, but just barely. Other thing we know is they are overworked and they are underpaid. Anybody else in that season tonight? The work is boring, tedious, dangerous. They have a lot of contact with sheep, very little contact with people, and so their social status, we know about that season, it's not a great season for their social status. They were dirty, they smelled like sheep and manure, and that means their season of religiosity, well, they worked 24-7, so they couldn't observe all the hand-washing ceremonies and all the regulations. They didn't have a chance to attend temple, not because they didn't want to, but because they couldn't. All this meant in this season of life, they weren't liked by a whole lot of people. 
I don't know if that's anybody else's season tonight or not. They were thought of as being crafty, as being dishonest. If something came up missing, it must be those shepherds. In fact, their reputations were so bad that they weren't allowed to bear witness in a testimony of law, in a court of law, because it was assumed that they would lie. And it's kind of ironic as I thought about it this week. These are the people who cared for the animals, the sheep, that would be sacrificed to atone for sins of everyone else, but because of their handling of these unclean creatures, they themselves were considered unclean and would not be able to participate in the sacrifices. It's rough. How's your reputation in this season? Maybe you got a good reputation right now. You got accolades coming in, everybody's admiring you. Let me tell you, be careful. I was just talking to somebody else. Don't let it go to your head. As we see in the life of Jesus, as it continues, or perhaps as you've experienced before, it's easy for people to love you one day and to hate you the next day. So reputation floats. Maybe your reputation has taken a beating recently. Maybe by your own doing, or maybe because like these shepherds, you've been stereotyped by cultural bias, the color of your skin, your accent, your sexual orientation, or perhaps even your faith or political persuasion. And so do you ever wish away your season, whether it's your reputation that you're dealing with right now, or whether it's your financial season that you're going through, do you ever just, man, I wish this would just be over with. It's easy to do. But we got to remember this, that the seed planted at our rebirth in Christ to mature Christian, to glory. Throughout all of those seasons, God is in control, and He uses the seasons to grow our spiritual lives. There's a new song we sang tonight called Seasons. Love the line, for your promises loyal from seed to sequoia. That's a weird line for a worship song. It's, it's not common at all. I've never heard it before. From seed to sequoia. It just sounds weird even saying that or singing that word, but it's a beautiful song, and it reminds us of the sequoia trees. Who has seen those, the California redwoods? A handful of you have actually, I have not. So I had to do some research on these sequoia trees. They are the largest and tallest trees in the world. Their trunks are big enough, literally they could encircle this entire room and then some. Their tops are high enough to surpass a 26-story building. And they can live thousands of years, up to 3,000 years old. And so there are sequoia trees that are um, as old as Jesus, if not older. Empires have risen and fallen. Generation and generation have came and gone. And these trees have been alive. And so some of you who have seen these trees, John Steinbeck wrote of them. He said, the feeling they produce is not transferable. From them comes silence and awe. The vainest, most sappy, hap, slap happy and irreverent of men in the presence of redwood goes under a spell of wonder and respect. I've heard that. A lot of people feel that and sense that in, in the presence of these giant trees. But the cones of these giant sequoia trees, they're about the size of an egg, probably a little smaller than that. They're about that size. That's the pine cones, I guess, if you will, of, of those trees. The seeds inside of those cones are the size of a flake of oatmeal. So now you're talking, you know, yay big right here. And so for that tiny seed to grow into the giant sequoia tree takes a lot of seasons. Many, many seasons. And that includes seasons of winter. Now for Christian writers over generations and even secular writers, winter has been used as a season to describe man's suffering our trials and our tribulations. Now, 
we're in Florida, so maybe you don't quite understand this, but when you live up north, and I, try, I didn't get a pretty snow picture. I tried to get the ugliest one I could find, but that, that kind of sums it up. When you live up north, the sky is gray for like five months of the year. It's cold. It's windy. Your feet are cold all the time and wet. That is the absolute worst part. And it's, you know, it's cool in November and December because there's Christmas. But by the time January, February, March rolls around, you're wondering if this season is ever going to end and you're longing for spring. And just to give you Floridians some perspective, it's how we long in the winter for the snowbirds to finally go home. <laughs> When Fort Myers is an hour and a half and an hour and a half to Fort Myers on the other side, it feels like it's never going to end. But for the sequoia to grow from that little tiny seed and then to a sapling and then to a strong giant tree, it actually needs the harshness of winter. It makes it strong. It gets water from the mountains as the snow melts. It builds strength. It builds endurance. It needs the winter. Also out there, man, the summers are dry and hot, and so there are seasons of drought. When the National Park Service took over the care of Kings Canyon Park in the 1800s, where a lot of these trees are located, they worked really hard to prevent forest fires. But eventually, they discovered that they were actually working against the sequoia because the sequoia needs the fire for the cones to open and for the seeds to germinate. The seasons of our lives are no different. Peter writes in chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed. We're not stuck in any season forever. They don't last forever. Just like the seasons of the earth, our seasons do change and they come and go. And so some of our seasons might feel cold and bitter. Some of our seasons will feel like it is scorching our very souls. And then in some seasons, we'll see tremendous growth and harvest. Psalm 126, and I'm just paraphrasing here, it says, Every season of harvest has joy and sorrows. Every season of fruitfulness requires loss. Plant in tears harvest and shouts of joy. In other words, trust God in every season. Let's continue. Verse 9, it says, suddenly, remember that word suddenly, not for this week, but next week. We're going to look at the wise men next week, and nothing is sudden for the wise men. But with the shepherds, it's suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. In this moment, the angel is showing up. As this angel shows up, what happens to the seasons that these guys are going through? Do they remember the season or do they immediately forget about the season because something more glorious is happening? There is a perspective shift when they see the angels. And so they're out there in the fields and they're minding their own business and they're dealing with the season of life that they find themselves in. And it says all of a sudden the radiance of the Lord's glory shows up. Does this still happen today? Does the radiance of God's glory show up in our life? One of my frustrations with the Christmas story is it makes things so generic. These shepherds are not one-dimensional characters. They are real people just like us. Now, we generalize them. It's like all the shepherds, they don't have names. They're not individuals. This is like the shepherds. We lump them all together. These shepherds are individual human beings. They have individual problems. 
They have celebrations. They have different IQs. They have different proclivities towards sin. And so within this group of shepherds, there's probably a lot of seasons happening. Some guy's on his first day at the job. He's like, man, this job sucks. He's in a season of anxiety, like how long am I going to be stuck in this job? And someone else, that might be their last day, and they're in a season of worry, like what do I do when this is over with? And someone there probably in a season of fighting with their spouse for a long winter, and it's a season of marital and family stress. And somebody there is probably in a season of excitement. They just got a new house or just had a new baby. Somebody probably no doubt is in a season of busyness. Someone's in a season of grief, a season of hurt. Somebody there, no doubt, probably like someone here tonight, is in a season of no longer caring what anyone thinks about them. I just give up. I quit. I was in that season on Thursday. I went to the gym in my pajamas because, well, (laughs) who cares? Then I realized I had another appointment after the gym, and that was a little awkward. Regardless of their season, it says the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. Regardless of our season, the radiance of God's glory can surround us. God may not use angels, but he'll use people. He'll use other things to help draw us and pay attention to his radiance and glory. These shepherds were not particularly pious. They're not a real religious group of people. They weren't there that night looking for God to show up. They probably think that God doesn't even know who they are, and yet God shows up. There they are. They're sitting in the field, nothing but dumb sheep around them. They're looking into the village. They see the lights on in the village. They hear the sounds. They hear people laughing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a messenger of God shows up. In verse 10, it says, they were terrified. That's probably an understatement. I don't know if you've ever seen an angel or not, but it it would probably be terrifying. But also for these guys, they're like, well, society detests us. That must mean God detests us too. And so they're expecting whatever news this messenger of God brought to them was probably going to be more bad than good. They were afraid because they, after all, had a reason to be afraid. It says they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. All people. Surely not people, though, like us shepherds. But over and over and over again in Scripture, we see God say, I choose Nazareth over Jerusalem. I choose the girl that nobody wants. I choose the boy that everybody has forgotten. I'll use the people group that no one likes. I'll use the irreligious and not the religious. Verse 11, it says, the Savior. This is the angel speaking still. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. There's three important words in that sentence. The Savior means the one who is going to atone for the sins of the world. The Messiah, the promised deliverer, the King of kings, the Lord, the divine one, the one who is one with God. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And it goes on, and you will recognize him Savior, Lord, King, Messiah, by this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is a big deal. 
And I think the shepherds obviously sensed it because of what is going on, but the angels, they knew it. Their behavior here gives us a glimpse of the cosmic weight of this announcement. A commentary I read this week, I'll just read it to you. It says, it was if, as if there were millions of angels hiding just behind some celestial door, and once they heard, unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord, they were unable to contain their joy any longer and all rushed in praising God. Wouldn't it be amazing in whatever season we're in to hear the good news of Jesus proclaimed so unmistakably? You just did from Luke chapter 2, God's written word. Romans chapter 10 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so it's 2021, hearing from God, hearing from his angels is as easy as opening up the Bible app on your phone or turning on a podcast and listening to some preacher preach God's word or logging into Spotify and listening to God's music. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing. I love that they say this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. What I want us to see here in this part is the shepherds listened well. An issue I have in my marriage is my failure to listen. (laughs) Karen has to remind me over and over that she's already told me something. And usually once she's reminded me, it's not that I didn't hear what she said the first time. I usually have some kind of vague recollection once she reminds me that she already done told me that, but it's that I didn't listen well. I didn't listen to respond. I didn't listen and consider the implications of what she was telling me. These shepherds could have easily been impressed by these messengers. I'm sure angels are quite impressive. I'm sure they spoke in a quite impressive tone. But they listened well. The Christmas season message, glory to God in the highest, in excelsis Deo, as we sang it on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Our life season message to be the same, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And if that is the message of our life, do we listen to that message well? Do we consider its implications? Do we listen to that message to respond? Peace in the Bible isn't a word that signifies this peaceful, trouble-free life. Peace is meant as an end to enmity and war. And so peace, of which these angels are speaking, is peace with God. As the song goes, God and sinners reconciled. That's the kind of peace they are bringing. For the first time in all of human history, peace with God is available. The message that through the grace of God and the incarnation of a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, peace with God is available. And if you make peace with God, then you can make peace with the season of life that you're in. And if you can make peace with the season of life that you're in, then you can make peace with others. And the more people who listen to that message well, the better off the entire world would be. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. It's a lot to take in for the shepherds, of course, what they just heard What did it all mean? How should I respond? But this much was as clear to them, that God was 
at work. And so verse 16, it says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. What do you think that means, astonished? Is it a good astonishment or is it a bad astonishment? Remember these shepherds, they weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. How many of you think actually believe their wild claims? I don't know. It just says they were astonished. Verse 20 says, the shepherd went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. And they never experienced a season of winter again. (laughs) Of course, we know that isn't true. When the shepherds went and saw Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and then they left and went back to the fields, they were still shepherds. Life was still complicated. Life was still difficult. They were still profiled as dirty and dishonest. You know, actually, they went home in the same season that they started the night in. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says, As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. And of course, that's talking about the seasons of the earth, but it's biblical truth for the seasons of our lives as well. Ecclesiastes 3, it's fairly popular. You probably know it. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to harvest. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to embrace, a time to part ways, a time to search and a time to count your losses, a time to hold on and a time to let go, a time to rip out and a time to mend, a time to shut up and a time to speak up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And sometimes... We're in more than one of those seasons at the same time. And sometimes the season can come and go quickly, especially it seems like those good ones. And sometimes it can seem like the season is going to last forever. And sometimes the season recurs over and over again. Uh, Kennedy, our oldest daughter, she's up north, and she's learning that every year without failure, the season of winter comes. (laughs) It's going to come back next year and the next year and the next year. And so she's just now getting her first taste of a true northern winter. And she's all excited because she saw snow for the first time. And she hasn't realized yet how long that season of winter is going to last. But once you've been through a season of winter, and you know how rough it is, you know a little bit how to prepare for the next season. You won't be stuck out in the cold, as they say, without a jacket. And so have you been through in your life a season of winter? How are you preparing now for another blast of that wintry cold mixed? Do you know why trees lose their leaves in the winter? Have you thought much about that? They know winter is coming. I mean, they don't have a brain or anything, but they know know the winter is coming. Every year, year after year, that winter is going to come. And so they prepare every year for winter as an opportunity for growth. They change their behavior in the winter season. They go dormant to conserve nutrients. The nutrients are carried back up from the leaves into the branches and into the bark to make them stronger. There are going to be seasons of life where we're going to have to change our behaviors as a method of surviving and perhaps even thriving. 
There's going to be seasons we're going to need to draw close to others, and there are going to be seasons when it's okay to pull back away from others and focus on some self-care. There are seasons of serving and loving others, and there are other seasons where it's okay to allow others to serve and to love you. There are going to be seasons of harvest. There are going to be seasons of planting. There's going to be seasons where you just need to give the soil a rest. Sometimes God will bring a spring season upon us. Spring is a great opportunity for renewal, for cleaning things up, for planning new things. Maybe that's your season right now. Or sometimes before you know it, it'll be summer. It just kind of sneaks up. The sun is shining. JFK said the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. In the season of summer, the crops are what? They're growing. And so that's a reason to be joyful, but also when the crops are growing, what else is happening? The pests and the varmints and the weeds all tend to attack when the plants are growing the most. And then summer turns to fall, and before you know it, it's time to reap what you planted in the summer and the spring. It's also a time when those leaves begin to change color, and you can just feel and sense that life is changing, and it's a good season then to take inventory of your life and look back at where you've came from and think ahead of where you're going. Some of those seasons are short-lived, thank goodness, and some of those seasons can feel like nothing is happening at all. Maybe that's your season tonight. A waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. God knows where you are today. He knows where you'll be tomorrow. Don't waste a season. And what I want to end with tonight, don't waste this season of Christmas. You know, seasons are relative. It could be that from the perspective of these angels, the shepherds outside of Bethlehem were no more poor or dirty or unclean than anyone else. Have you thought about that? For the, for the angels, the shepherds may have not been more poor or dirty than anyone else. And so I don't know what season everyone in this room is in tonight. I hope you've still got that season in your head, but I do know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there is a season to come as we sang tonight. It's a forever season, an eternal season, a glorious season. A season that no matter how great your current season is or how bad your current season is, that season will one day come. A season with no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more striving, no more feeling less than, no more not being listened to, no more fear of when the next winter might show up. And so I want to close tonight like the shepherds after they heard the good news and met Jesus by glorifying and praising God for all we've seen and heard no matter the season. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And if you would, if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want to pray together tonight. And as you pray in your quiet time here tonight, just talk to God about your season. Maybe just be honest about it with him for the first time. Or maybe just hand him that season in this moment and say, God, this is a great season, but I give you the glory. Or God, this is a terrible season, and I give you the glory. Take a moment. Praise God to yourself. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your love is marvelous and wonderful, and we don't fully understand, God. And if we did, our lives would be so much different. So I pray that you would give us just a little of the perspective of the angels this Christmas season to realize how marvelous and how wonderful this gift you gave us is. Amen. Amen.
Next week, we're going to look at the story of the wise men. That's over in the Gospel of Matthew, if you want to check that and read that in advance this week. The story of the wise men. And we're going to look at a lot of different seasons they might be going through. But one of the seasons, because these are smart, educated people, and so we're going to look at a season of deconstruction. What that means to deconstruct your faith. That's a common phrase you hear today. So we're going to look next week at the seasons of the wise men, including a season of deconstruction. And so be here for that a friend. There are no small groups this month uh, in the traditional way where we take a Saturday night off. We'll all be here together just like this next week. Thanks for joining us this week. I don't know what season of life you're in, but I hope tonight at least allows you to maybe think about that a little bit and maybe gain some of that perspective. And so I pray for you in that season. If you want to talk about that season and maybe what God's doing that, I'll be here after the service and happy to talk with you. God bless. Love you all. See you next week. Kept there watching Oh,